Yeah, uh, while Brother Joe's doing that, I will give a couple of uh, uh, preliminary announcements. Uh, I talk too much. That's why I write books. What you get this morning is going to be minimal. Oh, you, he's not saying, Joe, they're back there too. So anyway, um, uh, what... Uh, if you are interested in these things, if you are interested in what I say this morning, I have an email sign-up sheet. Many of you are on that, but many are not. I take something that is going on in the Middle East and attach it to what Jesus or the prophets have said. By the way, I often call him Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name. So if I'm talking about Yeshua, that's not anybody else but the Lord Jesus. It's Hebrew for, for Jesus. But anyway, uh, what he has said, what Zechariah, Zechariah is your prophet of the hour of what's going on in these days, but there's also Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Joel, and uh, Daniel, a few others. But I take something that has been written by someone else or else I just feature something that's happening. Usually I take something that is written by someone else because it's already said what I want to say and then I might put my qualifications on it or my amen on it plus a few URLs. You might just get a little bit of it and then you can look the rest up. Oh, complaint about my stuff is too long. And... Uh, I try to keep it as short as I can, but if anybody that signs up today uh, on that thing, I am going to resend one that I have sent out on. The last one I sent was on June 30th, just before we left Australia. I, no, no, no. Uh, yes, it might. Well, I'm not sure where I was, but it is about. The title is "Red Moons, Shady Suns," suns spelled with an O. And uh, Red Moon, Shady Suns, and Democratic Elections. Uh, how many of you know that God controls Democratic Elections even? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that, you'll get that if you, uh, if you haven't gotten it before. Sign up your email. Uh, we don't need your address. We do like your name. Once in a while we have to track, backtrack and find out somebody that has... has um, Someone that uh, the email has changed, but uh, we have uh, over two hundred, uh, over over uh, two thousand names, and so it's a lot to keep track of. Sometimes, if you you use your real name, uh, we'll know who it is. If you say something like "Sweetie Bugs" at hotmail dot com, I probably won't pick uh, remember who you are. But uh, anyway, sign up for that. There's also books back there. Uh, don't go near the table if you don't have a sense of humor. And also one complaint is that some of the Americans don't understand it because of the understatement and the overstatement from British humor that I often use because we've been over in that part of the world for a long time now, and that's kind of the way I think. Uh, I th Honey, is there anything else that I didn't say? <laughs> okay. Okay. She's supposed to save her a seat for up here. So she, if I get off the track and I go, what was I going to say? And she tells me. So, uh, oh, there's some handouts there too, particularly the one about treacherous tranquilizer that I'm going to start with right now. I'm going to, I've got to be good and stop, uh, ready or not, at uh, uh, 20 to 12. And so let's just get on with it right now. Take up those of you who are coming in late. Come on up here, please. Brother George says I shouldn't start till you're all up here, but I can't wait that long. But there are seats up here for those of you who have just come in. Uh, I think there'll be others straggling in as we go. Let me pray first. Father, we just name your authority again over this congregation over this group of brothers and sisters that are interested in what you're doing. Lord, give your servant the right words. Keep me off of little odds and ends of stories that I like to tell. Lord, keep me right on course that we can get through the things that you have 
put together for us on this PowerPoint. We give you thanks and we totally invite you again in this room to take total control of our thinking and of our heart's direction in Jesus' name. Bashem Yeshua. Amen. That means in the name of the Lord in Hebrew, what I just said at the end. Okay, now I'm going to start with uh, Israel at 60. Uh, now that's a very pretty one. That photograph behind there, which is on my email bulletins, I, I took that in 1982 in Jerusalem, and that is a Jerusalem skyscraper with the sun. I'm not sure if it was coming. I think it was going down. Okay, this is a little bit more academic, saying the same thing. I want to say, first of all, this tranquilizer is I, ha I break a bit with Hal Lindsey, and well, actually with Schofield, which started it, and I've got a handout about where this thing of the secret rapture came from. Rapture, amen. We're going to have seven verses right now about the rapture. I see that there is an error. When this started with Darby back in 1830, there is an error taking the 70th week of Daniel, if you're familiar with that, and saying this is the trib. I know some people who say the tribulation started with the stoning of Stephen. I don't see how you can let the... the, uh, the uh, let the Holocaust out of the tribulation. That's Jacob's trouble in, I think it's the 31st chapter or the 30th chapter of Jeremiah, Jacob's trouble. That, I believe, is part of the end of days tribulation. But that last seven years, I have come to see that we're going to be around. It is plenty of trouble but it is also very, seven very significant years in the end of days. I am a stickler. Don't give me one verse and build a big doctrine out of it. I want two or three witnesses, as in the law. Don't take the testimony of one man. And that 70th week of Daniel, that last seven years, very important. But to put all the tribulation into that one, I think is missing the point. I do not believe, brothers and sisters, that we're going to be here for the wrath of God that's poured out in chapter 16 of Revelation. I believe that if you'll see my second book, uh, in the second book, uh, Showdown of the Gods, I have looked at technical information on the first four trumpets. They've been blown. And that's not all over with. They're about pollution. They're about climate change. They're about global warming. First four trumpets, check them out. And then the fifth trumpet is, you got to, I can't answer questions now. The fifth trumpet is about the demons coming out of the pit. There's no demons in America, just blood on the schoolroom floors, you know. And on all the filth and corruption, the rise in demonic forces prior to the coming of our Lord Jesus is incredible. I believe we will be here for the wrath of man. We will not be here when the wrath of God is poured out. Too many theologians have lumped these together. Okay, let's go on. And seven alarm bells. Zachari these are the seven mentions of the rapture in the scriptures. I like it when it's two or three witnesses. I like it when it's seven or ten. And it's amazing things that are in there seven, ten times in the scriptures that we have overlooked many times. And here, seven mentions of the rapture. Unfortunately, the Schofield theory came with the, the uh, sixth one down there, Thessalonians. And uh, that's all very good, but Zechariah is the only one that gives where it's going to happen when the return of the Lord. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52 is the only one that tells us when it's going to happen. Let's go on. The venue, I'm going to look at a few of those that I just gave you. The venue, on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. Zechariah 14, 4 and 5. That word for holy ones in Hebrew means it's messengers. That can either be angels, 
It can either be saints, that's us. And what does our Lord say in the next three references, his own quote, at that time the Son of Man will appear in the sky and the nations, of the, all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud, uh, with a, a, uh, with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. These are, it's uh, re referenced three times in the, uh, in the Gospels, and uh, this is certainly significant. Somehow in, in Darby's theory, and look this up, there's a handout back there about the origins of Darby's theory about a secret rapture. Every eye shall see him when he comes. And there is a, a handout back there uh, to uh, pick that one up uh, if you want to see where it came from. I'll just give you a hint. The first reference along that line came from the Jesuits. Check it out. I've, re uh, I've written some stuff about the political candidates, or should I say candidate for this November's election. And the media calls it... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, not sleaze, but uh, uh, mudslinging. yeah, mudslinging, and is uh, they call it um, something about, it. and they whitewash over everything that's being said. Mud research is not mudslinging, and I have researched what's going on in this next election and who wants to win it beyond the Americans. Okay, enough of that. Uh, this is, uh, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives when he gives these three quotes. Let's look at a couple more of those. The timing, the only one of those seven that gives a timing is, listen, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. The last trumpet is when he comes. It's in Revelation 11. Read it. The last trumpet. Then the kingdoms of this world, Handel's Messiah, will be, will be um, uh, transferred to the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. This is when he's coming after the last trumpet. How many trumpets are they going to blow after the last trumpet? So we've got a clue there of when he's coming. Um, and his two footprints. Now, we have had all kinds of armchair prophets say, and by the way, this is not my own, only my stuff. There's a lot of people that, is interest, interest, that are interested in what's going on in Israel, and many of them have said the same things, not them researching me or me researching them, but God is giving this to people who are involved in telling others about what's happening. So this is not just in a corner. Two witnesses in, in um, Revelation 11. Well, we've been told that Moses and Elijah are coming back. Symbolically, perhaps. Those two witnesses, I have come to understand, are God's two footprints on the earth. Jewish believers, Gentile believers. Jewish remnant, Gentile remnant, all formed together in one olive tree. But then they get killed in the end, oh dear. So let's give it to Moses and Elijah instead of us. Uh, I tell you, this is in a form of, of, as far as this being killed, is symbolism. Who cares what we think out there? Who cares what the Bible says out there? In Canada, there is a pastor who's preaching against perversion and homosexuality and he's up into the courts. In Australia, there's a couple of preachers preaching about what Islam is doing. They've got hundreds of thousands of dollars fined because a couple, couple Muslims, they weren't Arabs, by the way. They were, they were uh, uh, white Australians converted to Islam. They snuck in there with tape recorders. They've tied these guys up because we no longer can say what... The Bible says we no longer can tell the truth because there's people out there that don't like it. 
And I say that the mouth of the two witnesses is being cut off and just wait to see what happens in the next few years. They don't want to know what the Bible says. They don't want to know what I believe. They don't want to know what God's people believe. And I see this, these two witnesses being cut off for the last, well, it's three and a half days. That's the last half of seven. And that's it. When it says three and a half years, that's one thing. When three, three and a half days, that's a shorter period of time. But they don't want to know what we're going to say. What the Bible says. Okay, let's go on. Those two footprints, uh, did I read that? Well, you can, you can read it up there. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world, yeah, and uh, I did quote this, uh, has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. Let's go on. So what are we doing here? We have been told we're not going to be here when trouble comes. We're not going to be here when the wrath of God comes. Revelation 16, but we're here now. And I say we're going to be here for a day or so yet. And things are happening with the hatred of man. The, uh, the, my last uh, book, Showdown, uh, no, Who Told You That You Were Naked, is about the hatred of God from the beginning in the garden all the way through the demonic capital of the world, which is Babylon. And if you happen to see George or Connie, you know George and Connie? Huh? George Bush? <laughs> and Connie? Condoleezza? Sorry. Get my bulletins, please. <laughs> if you happen to see George or Connie tomorrow, I'm not, I'm not politically against what they're... I don't know what I'd do. It's a can of worms. But the fact is... Uh, the, the fact is... That Babylon is the demonic capital of the world and you don't drive out demons with bombs and bullets. A removal of Saddam Hussein from power is commendable. Now, some political systems don't like it, but the removal of Saddam Hussein from power was commendable, but that whole place is the demonic capital of the world. It was passed on to the Greeks. And, and again, in my third book, if you read it, Mindbenders Bend Bedrock is a chapter about the Greeks. It's not all that heavy. It's kind of in light form. So you get it, the difference between Aristotle and Plato. And, and Aristotle is the culprit that twisted the Sadducees. He twisted the church fathers. That's not our fathers who struggled and suffered in Europe for persecution. No, it's these guys after the apostles died out. This all became anti-Semitic. And a lot of things changed through those early church fathers. They were Greeks and they were Romans and they thought like Greeks instead of Hebrews. I'm getting off the track, but we're going to be here for a purpose. We've been talking about some of these things in our Bible classes. The precedent of Noah. It's commitment versus complacency. We've got things to do to be a part of what God is doing in these days. We've got things to do, and, and Noah had some things to do in his day, and wasn't just sitting there waiting for the first rainbow. He was doing things, and we are not just sitting here and saying, well, it doesn't matter what happens to those Jews over there, they're going to go through... <clears throat> Uh, they're going to go through another holocaust once more and they've got to be killed to be saved. And all these things come from hype that has no spiritual background. God is going to gather a remnant from the Jews. He's gathering a remnant and putting together in one olive tree, Romans 11. So complacency is not in the books of the Almighty to just sit here. And uh, here's a quote from my second book. The affluence of a Western society with a bathroom shelf full of painkillers has obviously made great strides, not only in medicine, but in theological presumptions as well. You might have to read that one twice. But uh, that's on page 103 in my second book. The affluence of a Western society, no pain for me, has made great strides not only in medicine, but in theological presumptions as well. We'll go on. The current scenario, and I want to talk about what's happening in Israel today and in the world. And I do not, a lot of people think this guy's 
got a little bit gone tropo in Papua New Guinea, and now he's, he's on this Israel thing. Let me tell you, the God opened up my eyes. I got a brother and sister back here. He opened up my eyes in their culture. I went to the same, maybe I, you heard me say this before, I don't know. I went to the same university that, Mo, that Moses went to. Did you know that? That's where I got my advanced degrees. He went to Pharaoh Tech, and then Abba said, okay, come on out here in the, in the wilderness, and I'm going to teach you physics 101. I got a unique bush out here, and we're going to have you study that one, Moses. And, you know, it didn't burn up. And, and I learned so much in a Stone Age culture for my Stone Age brethren. After they got the scriptures and they took off, I learned so much from, from being out on the backside of the mountain just like Moses was. And there he can speak a little bit more clearly away from all the stuff going on in an affluent society. Uh, anyway, this is, where, uh, this is where some of these things came into fruition. But uh, today, the univer- I got off the track there. The universal tribe, thank you, uh, Fred. A uh, universal tide of anti-Semitism is the highest since 1938. Europe, by and large, secular Europe, hates the Jews. And they hate Israel. And it is very high, and that's when Hitler started to get rid of them. And Ahmadinejad, the, the uh, prince of Persia, is, uh, is saying that he's going to destroy Israel. And the United Nations and those guys don't blink. Yeah, so what? Oh, he's just kidding. And Israel is in bad straits these days. Uh, I think many, many of you know, and if I'm talking about stuff that you're not understanding, sign up and, and you'll get some things about what's going on because it, these things are not going to happen in Washington, D.C. They're going to happen in Jerusalem, and I keep my eye on them. They, by the way, have the worst government since Ahab, and that's pretty bad. You remember Ahab and Jezze, and and that was pretty bad. And they're all New World Order guys. They're all all onto um, a, a brand of Judaism that is not God's, and and it is bad shape. Now, there are Orthodox over there. They are scared. Unfortunately, the people that they fear the most, they hate the most, are the Messianic believers. Jews have come to believe in Jesus. We have a lot to do with them here in America and in other countries, the Messianic believers. They won't... uh, They won't have, as we say in Australia, they won't have a bar of them. That's a bar of music. They won't have a bar of them, but they're kind of warming up to us Christians. I don't preach Jesus to them. I try to get them back first to their Abba. And the Jesus they see is the Jesus in me. And there are different ways to reach people that have effectiveness. And we're getting close to some of the, what they're called the modern orthodox, the the uh, ultra-orthodoxies, the guys with the side curls, and they look like me a little bit. And these fellas, uh, are, a lot of them are kind of bad news, and they're persecuting the believers in Israel. But uh, that's okay. Sometimes we can hide here in America, but maybe not always so. But... Uh, yeah, I'm telling you too much extra things here, but th- these are we are getting closer to these modern Orthodox, and I believe from the Scriptures, and I don't have time to go into that, I believe from the Scriptures that there is going to be a tremendous revival and recognition of the Orthodox Jews when he comes. We're planting the field. And they... W- How many of you know that we're not the only channel that God might use to open people's eyes. We have our job to do. We have a job to do in living a life, a witness and testimony and, and showing, showing the rest of the world that
people can be different. And then there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit that it's his agenda, not ours. And I believe from, from many scriptures, I won't go into this now, that when he comes, it's going to be a massive recognition by the Jews in Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did we miss it? Anyway, let's go on. Containment of Gaza and the outbursts. Uh, this was back, uh, that early this year or a bit into last year when Hamas in Gaza broke through and they went down into Egypt for about three days and they bought all kinds of stuff. They got money, but they, they, they get uh, millions of dollars from America and from the European Union and from all over the world. These Palestinians have money, but they can't spend it. And they broke out and they bought a bunch of cigarettes and things like that when they went down into Gaza earlier on. And uh, yeah, basically I think the supplies they brought were weapons, cigarettes, and a bit of food in that order. But anyway, the Egyptians got them back in. So the Egyptians are watching them down on the southern border and not doing a very good job. But... Unfortunately, they're kind of in jail, and the media makes a big deal about that because the Jews pulled out, the Israelis pulled out uh, several communities there. Now, those communities earlier on had a purpose. They were keeping the Gazans from being totally uh, fanatic and militant and terrorist, but they pulled them out, and then they began shooting And the fact is, Israel wanted them to kind of behave themselves and and, and there there are gates and things that come in and out and buy things, but they closed the gates when they started killing Jews and when they started uh, bombing buses and terrorist acts like they have all the time. And anyway, one thing they brought in when they burst out of Gaza. The Egyptians got them back. I said, did I say three days? It might have been a week, something like that. don't remember that exactly. But in, in the interim of time that they were out, they brought in these larger missiles. They brought in all kinds of weapons. They don't need any more weapons. They got enough weapons to shoot at, the, at the Israel proper. And they're shooting every day. Right now they got a so-called peace process going on, but it is totally a, a facade, a farce. And, but at Sederot, a, a little town right next there, and also Ashdod, which is a big, a big uh, a support city, they're shooting missiles. What would America do if the Mexicans, were, or maybe even the Canadians, but <laughs> were shooting missiles across? I mean, they... They wouldn't stand for it for a minute. And the world tells Israel, don't use too much force. Don't do anything. Don't react. Don't react. And the world is so pro-Arab, pro-Muslim, pro-Palestinian, you wouldn't believe it unless you do some research yourself. And anyway, they got these big grad missiles, and now they're hitting targets like Ashkelon, where there is a big... Uh, power plant and things like this and the Israeli government is putting up with it. What they need to do is go in there and clean out Hamas but they won't do it because Europe and even the American government will scream. Those grad missiles, uh, these are bit longer range than the Katusha rockets they were shooting and there's over a hundred over a thousand Kassams and mortars since 2006 but this was PowerPoint was made a few months ago so there's more yet and they go down on the cities or well the the towns and the kibbutzes round about but it, it's something that no other nation in the world would put up with but anti-semitic Europe and the <clears throat> The uh, Saudi Arabian coddling Western world that likes the fuel that comes through. And this is all connected. Hey, but how many of you know that Abba's in charge? 
How many of you know that Abba has not always been pleased with everything the Western world in general and America specifically has done? Billy Graham said 40 years ago, if God doesn't punish America soon, 40 years ago, if God doesn't punish America soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, I could go into that a bit more too, but, but the world is anti-God. It's anti what I like to call Judeo-Christian bedrock, where we're half of that. Anti-Judeo-Christian bedrock. The world is against it. And there's more terrorism. Just a few days ago, how many of you saw about that bulldozer massacre? Hands, please. See, you need my bulletins. More than that, you need to sign up on getting the news reports of the ICEJ, the International Christian Embassy, and you can get a good news summary, about six issues a week, a short summary of what's going on. You need to know what's happening, not on Wall Street, but what's happening in Jerusalem. Sign up for that. Uh, It's on my website where you can get the address of getting uh, both the Jerusalem Post you can read a bit about, scan a bit about that. That's more important, I would say, than anything you can read in your local newspapers. And either the Jerusalem Post or the ICEJ News Bulletin. Uh, Jerusalem Post, you have to look it up. The News Bulletin can be sent to you as an email. But anyway, there was a bulldozer massacre. This guy was a citizen of Israel back in 1948. Back in 1948, the Israelis said to the Arabs, look, that were living there, they said, look, build this country with us and uh, we'll give you full citizenship. It is true that sometimes they are marginalized a little bit, but they're not persecuted and they're not being killed. That is, uh, the Arabs that are citizens. They got 10 members in a 120-member Parliament or Knesset. And uh, these guys, some of them are fifth column, just to go over and visit uh, the Syrians and the Hamas and uh, uh, the, the, uh, the enemies of Israel. They go over, visit them, and uh, don't know what to do with them. So it is from the inside. But anyway, there was an Israeli Arab who was working on a, running a bulldozer on a, a uh, light rail track they're putting through Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, he just turns around, takes his bulldozer, overturns two buses that are full of people. He backs up over a car with a man and a woman in it. There were only three or four people killed, but uh, several dozen injured, and uh, just terrorist acts. And again, the world doesn't blink. There were the eight yeshiva students. That Yeshiva is a Hebrew Bible school. They're studying the scriptures They don't know the Old Testament, though. How many of you know that you don't even really need the Old Testament to see what all Jesus has prophesied to do? It's it's in Isaiah 53 and all over. There's everything about Jesus in the Old Testament. If they'd only latch in on some of this. But these guys, with their Bibles, the Hebrew Scripture, I don't like to call it the Old Testament because there's nothing old about it. It's the Hebrew Scriptures. It's a foundational testament and then leads into the New Covenant. But anyway, these eight, eight students in their late teens were laying in pools of blood over their Bibles. Same Bibles we read uh, in, in uh, the Hebrew Scriptures because another full uh, Israeli citizen came out of uh, East Jerusalem and uh, he was a driver for the school. And he brings his Kalashnikov rifle in in a huge box uh, like he's carrying in a, uh, a video for the, uh, for the school or something. Puts the box on, takes his rifle out and starts shooting. This is what they have to put up with. And again, Europe, United Nations and even the United States say... Not too much force, please. So that's what's going on there. Uh, <clears throat> the, probably the biggest thing, and this affects all of you, is what you do see on the news if you're not getting your news from the Jerusalem Post or from the Christian Embassy 
or some of those organizations that are telling you the truth about what's happening there. The, the biggest weapon of Islam these days is the propaganda they've had about uh, things about Israel. And Israel, as I said in the beginning there, has no friends. Uh, I mentioned this Israeli fifth column from within. It's ten members in parliament. At least five of those are very, very pro-terrorist. And uh, so that is the situation today. Again, who would let this happen? He's getting ready for the return of his son. So this is not all gloomy, doomy, bad news. If you look at the other side of it, it's right on course. And things are happening to bring the Jews back to their God. Uh, again, I could go on. I don't want to run over time here. The history of the Turks and the British in 1917. <clears throat> Mark Twain wrote a book uh, back in, 18, in the middle of the 1800s. He wrote a book about uh, his visit to the Holy Land. He says, if this is the Holy Land, it's the most God-forsaken place I've ever seen. Nothing here but sheep and goats. And there's more, more sheep and goats than there are people. There were handfuls of Bedouin shepherds and always a Jewish presence in the land. Though for 200 years it was overseen by the Turks. And the Turks, who were Muslims, ironically kept the Arabs out who were, who were not Turks. And so the ethnic, the ethnic bonds there of the Turks versus the Arabs uh, were in, in effect. And the Turks kept, who were al always allies of Germany, but the Turks kept the Arabs out until 1917. Actually, the Jews began to come back to reclaim the land, according to the prophecies. There, by the way, there are at least 85 prophecies of the Jews returning to the land in the end of days. We're living in those days. That's why I'm excited. God is on course. He's on time. 85 promises. Amos 14, I'm going to return, plant you again in your own land and never again will you be uprooted. So that hadn't happened in, in, uh, when Jerusalem was overrun in 70 AD. It's in our day. And this is exciting. But anyway, <clears throat> there were very few Arabs in the land in the 1800s. And the Jews began to come back and some of the Arabs began to sneak in with their rifles to clean out what Jews were coming back. They made the desert blossom like a rose. They drained the Hula swamps north of the Sea of Galilee. They got rid of the malaria. And the desert, according to Isaiah 35, began to blossom like a rose. And so this was the scene at the end of the 1800s. And it was 1897. How many of you know that God's, uh, God's on time? 1897, the Balfour Declaration. No, wait, no, 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 the, uh, no. No, that wasn't the Balfour Declaration. Um, Theodore Herzl pronounced in Switzerland that, that uh, how did he say it? I think the next uh, time to go home. Everybody said he was crazy. I don't know if he said a timetable. It's time to go home. They say he's crazy. Nobody's gone back there. They started to go back, drain the swamps, and plant... The, the plant the gardens and it was beautiful and then it was in 1917 the Balfour Declaration by Lord Balfour of the, in, in the United Kingdom but that was after just World War I and the Germans lost that and the Turks lost the Ottoman Empire at the same time the British took over Running that part of the, uh, overseeing that part of the world, they opened the floodgates of Arabs, and those Arabs, that they'll say with straight face on the TV program that they've been living there for 5,000 years. That's only 1,000 years older than Abraham, but uh, their father Abraham, but they've been living, they've been living there for 5,000 years, according to Hanan, Ashrawi, and the likes of her. And, uh, 
But uh, that night, if you start counting 5,000 years, you can't to start counting in 1917, World War I, when the British opened the floodgates. That's when the Arabs came back. There were massacres of the Jews in Hebron in uh, the 1930s. The trouble has been going along. Then the United Nations voted, and by one vote, that's his voting. That's Abba's voting. One vote, Israel got to go back to their ancient homeland and the Arabs said, no way. The Muslims said, no way. We'll never let it happen. Well, in the last 60 years since, Arabs, uh, since Israel's birth, birthday, uh, they've been fighting ever since, and they're gaining ground these days with the media. The Jews came back, of course, in 1948 uh, after the United Nations opened the way. However, there always was a majority of Jews over Arabs, but the Arab propaganda is the Jews have stolen Arab land. Let's go on. What's happening in the West? Please be alert about this. In the United Kingdom, in in Britain, Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, threw a bombshell out to his his constituents, the, the Anglican Church, Church of England, and he says, you know, he says, we've got to adopt some forms of Sharia law. How many of you know what Sharia law is? Again, not too many. This is the Islamic law that they want to spread over the whole world. I, you people need to follow up on this. Sharia law, that's what, you know, cutting off hands and cutting off feet. And, and totally, totally, Depressing the woman is a piece of property. Here's a good example of it. There was a woman that was gang raped in Saudi Arabia. But because she just happened to be in the presence of these men who had nothing done to them, she received 200 lashes publicly in Saudi Arabia. George Bush's friends, his buddies... I don't know if they handled the whip or not, but America is, well, every president, uh, it's not just Bush, it's been Clinton and all the presidents before him, have been buddy-buddy with Saudi Arabia because they've got the oil. And you're worried about high prices? Well, we all are, I guess, whether we fly or whether we drive. But you see, the devil has a price tag. Sometimes it's hard decisions. Not for the politicians. They don't have trouble making up their minds which way to go. But these Saudi Arabians, they gave this woman 200 lashes in public because she was in the presence of men that would do this thing. But they got zero, the men got zero punishment. That's Sharia law. That's Islamic law for the women. For Uh, subverting the infidels. The Quran says that the Jews and the Christians give them a chance to convert. If they don't do it, cut off their heads. The media doesn't tell you stuff like this. CNN and the BBC. And I've read it myself. Where's my wife? Beautiful wife. (laughs) Do you have that handout there of what the Quran says about treatment of Jews? Do we still have that one on the table? She thinks so. But and I've looked these up in a, a copy of the Quran, but they'll say, well, that's so good because that's in English. You've got to read it in Arabic. And Arabic, I'm sure, is worse. Anyway, <laughs> Rowan Williams, Archbishop of Canterbury, says, ooh, we're, we're, we're moving ahead. I've got to finish here. We're, we're, we're uh, going to have some aspects of Sharia law to pacify all these Muslims in the UK. That was published. What wasn't published is Gordon Brown, the new prime minister of, of England. Uh, they've got all kinds of restrictions on reporting. No more shall you say Islamic terror. What are the words? Violent extremism, criminal murders, 
not Islamic extremism and jihad fundamentalists. They are bowing down to these guys. In the United Kingdom, France is probably the greatest population of Islam. And once you've got this block of voting that you cannot win an election without giving something to them. About uh, over 10% in France. Germany's got the same problem. It's all over Europe. They call it Eurabia. Eurabia. And uh, it's there. But what about the United States? We were driving in southern Illinois not long ago. I had a series of meetings down there. And I was staying, we were staying in a hotel. I asked the lady, uh, well, now where's a restaurant in relation to the hotel? She says, well, there's one just right across the street from you, but it's Islamic. And then we went down for one of my meetings. We went about, about uh, 17 miles to the west of this town, and she just got onto the same train. Here's an Islamic restaurant. And then a couple days later, I had a, a meeting about 20 miles to the east. She said, oh, by the way, here's another Islamic restaurant. Now, are they all extremists? No, but you know who, who is going to be more afraid of the extremists than we are? Those people. And these are the people that the politicians say, we want to make them good Muslims. So you know what they're doing? They're giving them chaplainships in the prisons. And what are they doing? They're turning many of the black druggy prisoners into Muslims in their, in their uh, and the government is funding them. And, and uh, we, we met a woman, a dear black lady in, in another, uh, northern, this was northern Illinois, and uh, we met her and she says, pray for me. She showed us a picture of her son who was in, in jail for drug charges. She said they made him a Muslim. Pray for him. We are not being told about these things. It's all over the place. Um, there was a, um, a uh, film, Fitna, produced by the Dutch. The media poo-pooed it. It was about Islamic extremism. I think the, I think the, the meaning of Fitna, as you have it up there... Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I've been turning. Uh, the, yeah, fitna. Uh, the meaning of that, I think it, it's a word that starts with, though I keep forgetting to look it up from the last time I talked. I think the word is obsession or oppression. oppression. Uh, and it, it's about, it's an exposure of Islam. And the media in, in the Netherlands poo-pooed that. They says it's, it's rubbish. The media is working overtime to help these guys. And yet, it's the enemy of the Most High. It's behind all of this. And on their websites, they say that they're going to they're gonna have, well, there was a prediction by one of them that they were going to have a, an Islamic president of the United States by 2020. They'll have control of the world by 2050. Oh, that you'd run the heavens and come down. I think you'll be here before then. We'll have a few things of what we should be doing. This is not to scare people. This is to open our eyes. Because what kind of soldiers are we if we don't know what's going on and who's attacking us? Uh, Islamburg uh, and the Finger Lakes, not too far from Rochester and Syracuse. Islam, Islamburg. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a URL. You've got to see that. I sent it around on my email some time ago. And do we have those, honey? Ask Elsie for it. There's a URL to read about Islamburg, an article by the Canadian Free Press. There are 12 mil paramilitary training camps for Islamics in the United States. One is right up there at the Finger Lakes in New York. Uh, one is Falls Creek, Virginia. Uh, that's not too far from here. And uh, nobody gets in them but qualified Muslims 
and the people outside of Islamburg hear the firing, and it's those climbing ropes and going under, under barbed wire and over, and there's no law against that, I guess. They're not killing anybody, just getting ready. And uh, they won't have to kill anybody if everybody gets down on their knees and uh, says the right words to Allah. Uh, anyway, uh, there's like these things in, in, in um, situations in the prisons in southern Illinois, northern Illinois, other places we've been. Milking Daisy, the Democratic cow, is, you see Milking Daisy up there, I'm in the way, and I, I call it Milking Daisy, the Democratic cow. Others who do not play the game of fair play have learned how to milk democracy how to get their man in office. Where does Barack Obama get his money from? Who can outspend a Clinton? Come on. They can get their man into office. All you have to do is win an election and change everything. Well, not in the first few months, not in the first couple years. But you see which the way the world is sliding? But didn't the prophets say this would happen? Didn't God warn us about the last days? We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, yeah, and uh, you've got to get sign up and get my last bulletin, which, as I said, red moons, shady suns, spelled with an O, and uh, democratic elections. What's going to happen in America? Only Abba knows. If he lets it happen, we need to be sharp and on our toes and in our Bibles, to walk the way Abba wants us to walk. Let's go on here. Oh, have you seen this one? I don't think they showed that in your papers. From Hitler's birthday march, 19th of April this year in Washington, D.C., there's the sign and there's some of the faithful. This was in the Jerusalem Post, but not in your papers, I don't think taken right outside the Capitol in Washington, D.C. God bless Hitler. It's all happening all over. But this time, not just the Jews. Not just the Jews. Let's go on. Two major battles yet to come. I've got to hurry up here. Uh, the battle for Jerusalem. I'm not going to get into this very much, but there are one, two, three, four, five. The Psalms doesn't count so much, but there's five specific references for a battle that can mean Jerusalem and Jerusalem only. Some of those you're familiar with. Let's quickly look at them. Jerusalem is prophesied in Isaiah and Joel. Uh, Isaiah 29 calls the city Ariel, which means the Lion of God, and that is Jerusalem. And there is a section there, Isaiah 29. I'm not going to spend more time. And then the one that's best known, Joel 3.2. I'm going to gather all the nations. Not Babylon, not Greece, not Rome. I'm going to gather all the nations, bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There will I enter into judgment against them concerning my inheritance and my people Israel. For they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. And these are uh, the uh, two, uh, two uh, excerpts. I'm not going to read these because I want to finish here in just a few moments. Uh, these are the same things talked about by Zechariah and Zephaniah about the battle for Jerusalem, not by Rome, not by Babylon, but by all the nations. And the second battle yet to come is the battle of Armageddon. You probably read this in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Persia, Ahmadinejad, he's from Persia. Cush, that's Sudan where they're... I, they, they murdered millions of Christians in Darfur. Now they're murdering uh, sort of moderate Muslims down there. That, that's uh, Sudan. And Put is Libya. And Colonel Gaddafi from Libya just read. I just saw this article. He is complaining about Obama that he is hiding and not telling it out like it is about his Islamic past. Is Colonel Gaddafi from Libya. They haven't done much since the Lockerbie bombing, but Gaddafi is still around. Read those couple of chapters. That battle, according to my understanding of Scripture, is not the same as those 
battle for Jerusalem. This one is three scenarios. It's not the same battle, but there are three possibilities for when it is. Uh, Possibly two battles separated by a short time. Possibly by some, some years, some longer time, or a thousand years. According the way it looks, this can be a final uprising of Satan long after Messiah comes and sets up his kingdom with us in Jerusalem. Now this is kind of hard to fathom that all the saints from all ages are going to get into Jerusalem, but the spiritual description of the land goes all the way from the Euphrates. This is what the Arabs are all fussing about. They know the scriptures better than the Jews do. It says from the Euphrates down to the river of Egypt and from the Jordan to the sea. In days to come and with all kinds of technology, we find miracles in technology and if technology can do this, God can put his people into a harmonious position somehow. I don't know how he's going to do it. I believe it. All the prophets point to and Revelation, New Jerusalem coming down. We're not going to, if you die now, you're going to go up to be with him in the heavenlies. But if we endure till he comes, there is going to be a New Jerusalem. Whether Armageddon is right at the same time or maybe a long time later, uprising. And this is where the wrath of God is going to be poured out. I'm not going to be there. It's going to be geographically somewhere else. So I just want to make this clear to you. There is coming a battle for Jerusalem that might be getting very, very close. And there is also a battle of Armageddon, which is more uncertain. But there is one more. We'll go through this very quickly. Uh, I... Uh, used to discount a popular theory that Russia is coming down. I discounted that in 1989 by the Russian fact that the Berlin Wall was down, but now Putin has re-entered the scene to play that part of Gog and Magog if God so chooses beyond the Arab nations that are ready players. Uh, They are helping Iran get reactor fuel and they also promised Egypt a nice new reactor. So uh, I'm not a date setter. I'm an analyst. An analyst put things on the back burner to keep when we need them. And down-to-earth nuclear cleanup. I worked for General Electric as a nuclear scientist for seven years before Bible translation. And I know what nuclear cleanup is all about. And Ezekiel 39, 12 to 16 fits it perfectly. Let's go quickly. When will Messiah return? Acts 1.11, this same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. We looked at that at the beginning. As you have seen him go into heaven. And John 14.3, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. I thought, we thought, it's going to be up there. It's going to be in the new Jerusalem, which is coming down, if you believe the book of Revelation. The New Jerusalem will come down, Revelation 21 and 22. The Jewish and Gentile believers will be redeemed as one body. Uh, Three references there, Jeremiah 31 and uh, 33 to 37. I think that's about the New Covenant. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22, one body. Jew and Gentile, one body. Uh, That's actually pretty well spelled out in my first book, Where's the body? Hebrews 8, 8 to 12. Those are three to look up. Oh, let me go back. His, no, I can't. Can I go back? No. Did I, did I go back there? Anyway, uh, we're out of time anyway. We can expect to be on Mount Zion for the end of days scenario in Revelation 15 and 16. Away from the wrath of God. Up to then we can busy ourselves, Luke 18.8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? May we find faith here. Keep our eyes on what's happening and keep our hearts in this book 
and our ears and inner hearts tuned to the Spirit of God, as was mentioned this morning in this particular class. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Very well-known passage by Jesus. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch and I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. We have an assignment. There's one. The bottom line is intimacy with the Most High. Let's just pray once more. Father, bless this congregation. And I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, put in our hearts to keep abreast of what you're doing. It's in the scriptures, what you said would happen. And may we be on the alert of what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, we ask, bless this group, bless these brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.